I will speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Images and artwork can be so powerful in our life and in our faith. To come into view of an image painted on a canvas in an instant allows the visionary and the creative imagination to be ignited within us wherever we are and whenever it happens. The same thing goes for an image carved in marble or stone or concrete for that matter, or for a photo that captures something in that one moment that speaks in our eyes and heart about what that image was perceiving and what that image was trying to say. And if we step into literature and writing, the same thing can happen when words are verbally invoked to describe something or someone. It's one thing to call Clark Kent Superman, but it brings so much more to our imagination when we read, hear, or say that most famous of superhero descriptions, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. It is a bird, it's a plane, it's... Thank you, thank you for that. Superman is right. Words like all forms of art say one thing, but they can instantly invoke within us so much more. Most of you know that I am a big fan of one of the greatest modern American singers, songwriter, poets, storytellers, and Nobel Prize winners, Mr. Bob Dylan. One of my favorite songs of all time is Dylan's mesmerizing song, Visions of Joanna, written and recorded in 1966 for his landmark transition album, Blonde on Blonde. Dylan, as he does so masterfully in nearly all of his songwriting turns word into poetry in ways that flow together more perfectly than even the melody and the music that accompany them. Dylan sings out in that song, Ain't it just like the night to play tricks when you're trying to be so quiet? We sit here stranded, but we're all doing our best to deny it. And Louise holds a handful of rain, tempting you to defy it. Lights flicker from the opposite loft. In this room, the heat pipes just cough. The country music station plays soft, but there's nothing, really nothing to turn off. Just Louise and her lover so entwined, and these visions of Johanna that conquer my mind. It's the timing of the words and phrases in each of those verses masterfully crafted and tied together so that the images that they invoke in the mind translate to our heart and imagination with immense beauty and vision and power, at least for me anyway. From its starting point, the song verbally describes what is meant to be the silence that we find in the night, which really never stays quiet when our human minds are wrapped up in memory, in denial, and in intense longing. And then, once we finally fall asleep, deep and confusing dreams. It takes a true poet and storyteller who knows how to construct images out of simple words and only three chords on a guitar to hook you as Dylan does in this song and in so many others. 
It is just like a master painter who with simple oil color and a stroke of a brush somehow constructs a soulful image like Van Gogh's Starry Night. It all reveals that art is at its best, not so much when it simply creates something beautiful, but rather when it constructs something that engages your heart, engages your mind, and reaches into your soul. And it arrives at its highest point, I believe, when it seems to speak so personally, it is as if the painter or the poet or the musician were speaking directly to you and to nobody else. When art achieves that, I truly believe it has the potential of arriving in that upper level of human consciousness and spirit where beauty can move us into the very presence of God. What I have loved so much about Christianity, from the moment it was finally, I started finally paying attention in the writings of the early church and really in the Bible, is that there is so much of our faith that has always been embedded by the power of art and beauty and image and words and music and rhythm in scripture, in prayers, in liturgy, in ritual and in worship. Jesus himself, long before Rumi or Shakespeare or T.S. Eliot or Bob Dylan, knew how to construct words and phrases that, as St. Teresa of Avila writes in the 16th century, could truly penetrate the heart and the soul like the piercing of a sharp arrow that was lit on fire. Reading them again, we find that Jesus also tells his stories with perfect rhythm and poetry. And he uses his words and parables to engage that deepest expanse of human experience in order to create a much clearer image of God and God's intended creation for us, his beloved. And of course, Jesus didn't have to build all of this from scratch for himself. Jesus always had inscribed upon his own heart the same kind of writings and images that come from the Hebrew scriptures. Jesus recites by heart the Psalms of King David, and he knew well the musings of all the great Hebrew prophets, as well as the poetry of such delicate texts like the Song of Songs or the Wisdom of Solomon or the Proverbs. And this morning, brothers and sisters, we find ourselves at what is perhaps one of Jesus' most beautiful, powerful visual paintings contained in the Gospels. The most perfect image of the God of love in the person of Jesus himself, who is the Good Shepherd. Jesus says again to us in the 10th chapter of John's Gospel, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who's not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I'd like to invite you right now to take just a second or two and see what comes into your own mind when you hear Jesus' description again of that good shepherd. What image comes to you almost instantly when you hear those words? For me, before I can even think about it, I always see in my mind 
that gorgeous marble statue of Jesus holding and gazing down lovingly on a lamb that's cradled in his arms. The statue for me is at the center of the Reredos of the Chapel of the Good Shepherd at the General Seminary in New York City where I prayed and worshiped and prepared for my ordination for three years. I also find myself moving from there to a tiny chapel of the same name at Washington National Cathedral in D.C. In that little chapel, I'm sure some of you have seen before, the image of a hooded Jesus holding a lamb is not as ornate or traditional as the great Reredos of the seminary. But perhaps more importantly, it still contains and transfers the very same image of deep abiding love as Jesus again holds a lamb, cares for it, and protects it. Maybe some of you have noticed that All Saints has its own image of the Good Shepherd when you walk in through the western front door of our church. In this church, it's simply a beautiful two-dimensional orthodox-style icon of the Good Shepherd mounted on our wall just above the prayer candles. But if you kneel for prayer there, as I've done so many times, and you light a candle, all you then have to do is glance upward. And you can look upon Jesus with the sheep lovingly supported on his shoulders, offering comfort and helping to guide your heart to the loving care and open arms of our Lord, who is the Good Shepherd. It's there to say to you, I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And all of those great images come out of just five short, simple words in the Gospel of John this morning. Yet they have penetrated the hearts of so many of us who have read them and heard them for over the past 2,000 years. And we have to remember as well that in these great I am statements Jesus makes within the Gospel of John, Jesus isn't just describing something that he is like unto. No, the I am phrases come from the deeper definition of God's own holy name that was given to Moses from the burning bush at the very beginning of the Jewish Torah. In Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14, Moses asks God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. God said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. This is the name given by God to Moses. Simply, I am who I am. And it becomes in Hebrew what has crossed down to us and become known as the tetragrammaton, Yahweh, the name of God, which means I am. And this becomes in the gospel, the deeper added meaning to those seven times when Jesus himself declares not what he is like, but that he is I am. 
Jesus constructs these word paintings that are even deeper than just rich poetry and phrasing of words. Jesus, who is God, the great I am, is combining God's name in this morning's verse with the image of a shepherd, a good and loving shepherd who will never run away from the sheep like a simple hired hand who does not care for the sheep, but a shepherd who would die for his sheep because he is the good shepherd who loves them all incredibly so much. And Jesus can declare this binding of divine name to divine image even more powerfully because of a much earlier psalm that Jesus certainly knew by heart. A psalm thanks to our choir we've already got to hear multiple times before we even got started this morning. A psalm that all these thousands of years later, I know that many of us know ourselves by heart just like Jesus equally. The 23rd Psalm of King David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Those words are those very same kind of words St. Teresa was talking about. Words, whether spoken traditionally or in a more modern translation of the Scripture, pierce the heart in those moments when we need God the most. Just two days ago, I was standing in the community hospice unit of Baptist Hospital downtown next to the body of our brother, Bill Colson, who died there on Friday morning. Just after I had anointed his head and his hands with holy oil and then gathered his wife, Eleanor, and a few of his friends there around that bed together, Those same powerful, meaningful words were the words we all said together first before we said anything else. We said those beautiful, soothing phrases of the 23rd Psalm not because they were some magical incantation that could take the sadness away if we only said them correctly. That psalm isn't even required to be said if you read through the prayer book. We said them Because those words bring us to a deep, incredible comfort in the midst of the sorrow for where our brother and husband and friend had gone. They assured us immediately of where Bill's soul had gone to and and just who it was who was with him at that very moment when he crossed over into death. Those words went beyond poetry to the very center and core of our hearts, revealing again who the God we believe in is always. They brought us with great swift power straight to Jesus Christ, the great I am, the good shepherd. And with each comforting word spoken, they assured all of us that the lamb that we see in our minds, in those images of the good shepherd, in our hearts, caressed and loved and protected by Jesus, at least in that very moment, was our brother Bill. And that each of us who believe and follow the good shepherd can be equally assured that that shepherd has already laid down his life 
for you and me as well. And when the day comes for each of us, when we ourselves stand on that precipice of life and death, Jesus, the good shepherd, will be there to lift us up in his arms, carry us upon his shoulders, restore our souls to green pastures and still waters in that next life beyond death with God, our creator. What incredibly good news these words always are for all of us to hear and say again. Our God is the good shepherd and he loves us so much he lays down his life for us. As St. John writes to the church in his first letter in the New Testament, brothers and sisters, we know love by this that he lays down his life for us. Amen.